You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. And more. Intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Well, I'm back. Hi. Thanks for uh, bearing with me on Friday. We went to New Orleans, and I think we're the only two people in the world who don't like New Orleans. We did not have a very good time. Um, So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it, because we've got other more important things to talk about. Someday I'll tell you. Um, New Orleans, maybe it was because it was so crowded for Jazz Fest, and the weather sucked. I mean, it was raining sideways. The one day... We went to Jazz Fest. It poured. Um, Judith Owen was wonderful. We did a great interview. That was the the high part of it. And I'll I'll get more into that. You know, as the week goes on, and I'm um I get more sleep. You know, and I'm rested and all that. But today, uh, it's a return appearance. It's been a while since we've spoken. So I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show the wonderful Ellie Mistal. He's justice correspondent at the Nation. Up, oh, and I have sound coming up hold on why do we have sound there we go okay now i think i hear you ellie hi hi there how are Yay. you oh well better now knowing that you that this worked you know i go away for a couple of days and i had to rewire my studio because i took stuff with me to do an interview at new orleans and i came back to hook up my studio and nothing wanted to work so you know it's always the, happens the ghosts came back with me followed me from new i didn't see any while we were there but they followed me home anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, fun times. And then I had to come back to Florida making things worse because I would hope I was hoping by now we'd have moved somewhere out of this state because, you know, things in Florida right now are not really good. Yeah, you guys live in a, in a I think the scientific term is fascist wannabe dictatorship, right? I think that's what the and I don't even know philosophers would say. I don't even know that you need the wannabe anymore. So the the um the the legislative session just ended while we were gone, and apparently one of the last things Governor Death Sentence uh, allegedly got through, I think it got through both chambers, and if it did, of course he'll sign it, was a bill that says the government can take your child if you dare to give them gender. Um, help affirming affirming help if you give them puberty blockers or do anything to work with your child who's obviously got some issues that need help if you try to help that child they will take that child from you yes the 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 party of small government now uh, claims that it is the the party that can make parenting decisions on behalf of the parent um, in the name of the state, which is not what we do in a free society, but it is what they do in uh, Florida, DeSantis stand uh, right right now, and you know that that goes to kind of a larger a larger legal issue 
um, with with Florida in particular and with federalism in general. Right now, the Republicans, like if you kind of think about their philosophy from 30,000 feet, it boils down to this idea that the federal government can do nothing to help people. Right. Can't ban guns, uh, 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 can't raise the debt limit. Like the federal government has no power to help people, can't do the student debt relief. Um, but state governments have unquestionable power to hurt people. Mm-hmm. That, that is the Republican philosophy, um, in a nutshell. Um, that, that, that from the alleged party of limited government, no, 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 it is, it is state governments with immense power to do evil, um, and the federal government with no power to do good. Um, and that's the world that people vote for. And I, and I just don't understand it. So while all this is going on, we know that, you know, on a national scale, I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of dejected yesterday. And then I, I make the mistake of opening my phone to check the news and I see the Washington Post. Oh, Joe Biden's approval rating is at the lowest point in his presidency and Donald Trump is up. What the fuck? Yeah. See, I, Nicole, honestly, I don't care about polls 18, 19 months before the election. I don't think any of them matter that much. I think if we looked at polls 18, 19 months before the election uh, in in 2012, uh, Mitt Romney was going to be president Mm -hmm. and and Obama was going to be a one-term president. I think if you looked at him in uh, in 2007, um, before 2008, Hillary Clinton was going to be uh, uh, president, and she was going to defeat John McCain. Like it, it's <laughs> right, right. It, it has no bearing on what actually happens. Um, however, I do think that it's worth pointing out that there are a ton of low information voters in this country, and there are a ton of voters who only get their news from Fox News. <laughs> Which is not telling them the news by any objective measure. I mean, if you look at the last jobs report, right? Mm -hmm. The economy is doing great. Biden has created a lot of jobs. Unemployment is not the problem that we have right now. Um, By any measure, Biden should walk um, to a reelection victory um, under these just economic circumstances. Yes, yes. but the the people who watch Fox and the people who don't know anything, uh, uh, they're not voting for. So that's the thing. These economic issues are what racists use to hide behind to cover their racism, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to see that because now that they don't have the economic issues to hide behind, they're still going to vote for the racist candidate, right? Like it's not uh, economic grievance is not ever why they vote for Republicans. They vote for Republicans for the racism, for the bigotry, for the cruelty, for the taking kids away from trans uh, 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 trans kids away from their families. They vote for all that, mm-hmm. and then occasionally when the economy is bad, they're like, oh, it's the economy, stupid. It's never the economy. It's not the economy. And here's the thing. Joe Biden has been presiding over what's turned out to be a very resilient and strong economy. And you got Jay Powell at the Fed I think doing everything he can to blow it up it, with these interest rate increases. Like, stop it already. You're trying to kill us. So so this administration is working and keeping the economy going, and the Fed keeps trying to tank it. I just... Well, right? That's also part of the, the debt ceiling debate, right? Like, yes. you know, part of the reason why the Republicans are going to try to play brinksmanship with the debt ceiling is that killing the debt ceiling is the surest way to spin us into not only a nationwide recession, but really a global recession is what happens if America defaults on its debts. And that's why they're going to play brinksmanship with it, because they're trying to tank the economy before the election. The Republicans, people need to understand, Republicans don't want government to work. They don't, they don't want things, um, services to be provided. And so there, you know, it's also, it's always the asymmetrical war, um, that Democrats are fighting. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you have two kids, one of them is building this, you know, elaborate sandcastle and it's got turrets and it's got things and, you know, it's got guards along the towers and, you know, a fairy princess at the top, right? And another kid just comes along and smashes it. Yeah. Like, the, the 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 effort that it takes right to just smash the sandcastle is so much less than the effort it took to build it up into the first in the first place or to rebuild it after an attack and that's the asymmetric war that democrats are always fighting the government the republicans plan 
is just to break things, which is a whole lot easier and a whole lot less effort than it takes when Democrats are trying to actually build and protect things. Right, right. It it seems like we've got we're working against each other or against ourselves more. Um, and and I don't look with economics. Uh, the thing I know about money is how to spend it. I'm really good at that. With the other stuff, my eyes kind of roll back in my head. But I've I've gained a good understanding of how things work, and I it it just seems that you know things are going well. So the government is trying to tank it, or part of the government. I've, all right, so let's move on to something else that doesn't make any sense. We had this judge uh, Ellie Mastal in. Texas. Why is all this bad stuff happening in Texas? I guess to get some of the uh, heat off of Florida, perhaps. The <laughs> the judge, who, as far as I understand, has no medical training, no scientific training, and he decided unilaterally that mefepristone, one of the drugs used for medical abortions in this country, after it's been on the market for over 20 years, has FDA approval for over 20 years, all of a sudden he decides unilaterally that this is not safe and should never have been approved and wants to pull it from the market. Another judge in Washington State, if I remember correctly, said, hold on a minute, you can't do that, and and put a stay on it. The Supreme Court actually jumped in, and Alito, of all people, said, oh, let's wait, and, and put it over to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal and let them decide. Well, the Fifth is a very conservative um, court, right? And now they've chosen the three-judge panel that's going to hear this case. And Ellie Mistel, tell us a bit about who these people are. Yeah, first of all, let's not give Alito any credit there. He, Alito's no, not the one. I, I'm but, saying it sarcastically because right. I believe he's the one who leaked the decision. The, it's me, but, you know, what do I know? But I believe it based the, on the, history. The, the the case that went up to the Supreme Court was whether or not Kazermax, uh, Kazermax, um, that's the judge in Texas, whether or not his abortion ruling, anti-abortion ruling would stand. The Supreme Court voted that it wouldn't stand, that we would go back to the status quo until there was a case on the merits. That was a 7-2 decision with Alito dissenting from that decision. And, right? so and like Alito, Clarence Thomas being the other one. So, exactly. Yes. What, you know, and and, and, and at, at this point, it becomes relevant what Harlan Crow's views are on abortion as much as Clarence's, right? But anyway, um, so they kicked the case back to the Fifth Circuit for a hearing on the merits, and that hearing is now set to go next week. Now, the way the Fifth Circuit works, the way that all the lower circuits work, is that in the first instance, you don't hear a case on the full uh, from the full panel of judges. There are 17 judges that are on the Fifth Circuit. Um, they pick a, at random lot a panel of three. Biden got pretty much, or 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 or, or Mifepristone got pretty much the worst panel of three judges that you could get. Now the Fifth Circuit is full of conservative judges, so like right. there was no good panel in there. But this is a particularly bad one, um, led by uh, James Ho, who is currently basically campaigning to replace Clarence Thomas. Like he's one of the three or four judges out there who actively wants to replace Clarence Thomas when Clarence Thomas eventually retires, they hope, under a Republican administration. And the way you campaign to replace Clarence Thomas in this Republican world is to be as crazy as possible. Like to show your willingness and ability to be as crazy as 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 sinister, um, as dismissive of law and legal precedents as possible, and that's your James Ho, right? Like, so he's on the panel. Jennifer Elrod is on on the panel, uh, who is you know a dyed in the wool anti-abortion conservative woman. You know, the the only kind of women the conservatives like. Right. Uh, um. So so she's on that panel. Um, and, 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 and Corey Wilson, um, who is, again, like they're all picked specifically for, uh, the ability to do this work. So I think it's a very challenging panel. And I, and I don't think there's like this. I don't think there's any chance that Ms. Prisrone will come out of that three judge panel with a positive ruling. But that's, you know, I want to go back to. But can I ask you one thing though? Are any of those three judges doctors or have a scientific background of any sort? No, they they are How not doctors. How interesting! They, they have they have no medical training, um, and no clue what they're talking about. Because remember, the the whole argument here for why Mifepristone is unsafe, according to um, the Texas judge uh, uh, Kasmerik, is that the FDA failed to consider how successfully having an abortion made women sad. 
That, oh that's the actual God. legal argument here, that the FDA did not fully consider the psychological torment of successfully having a medical abortion. That that's the argument, right? Wow. And furthermore, that that a group of doctors who who didn't use mifepristone, who don't have that they're allowed to sue on behalf of women who were psychologically damaged by again successful abortion proce- uh, procedures, because the women who have successfully had abortions might be too traumatized and embarrassed and ashamed to sue on their own behalf. That's the standing oh, argument my in this God. case, right? So it's the the entire legal argument here is so suffused in sexism, paternalism, and anti-abortion rhetoric that there is no science there. So, like, while yes, I think it's important to point out that none of these judges are are trained in any kind of scientific discipline or 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 have any medical knowledge. The legal argument isn't actually science or medicine based either, right? Right. It's this idea that women are too sad and don't know what's best for them when they have when they take the abortion pill and have a medical abortion. I, I, That's the I, argument. You know, I, I'm at the point where really nothing can shock me anymore. This <laughs> shocks me. This is so offensive on so many levels, and yet there are women in this country who go, "Oh yeah, that's fine." That's just fine. That's that's okay. They can do that. No, no. And I want to know why we are not out in the streets in France. In France, they went ballistic because they raised the retirement age from sixty-two to sixty-four. Hello, where? What are we doing, people? Why are we in our homes? Why are we out on the streets? a big part of it is that people don't think it's going to affect them. Women don't think it's going to affect them. You've got X amount of women who are kind of past childbearing age. And I so am. They don't care, right? I, I'm past childbearing age. I care. I still you've got, care. <laughs> you've got X amount of women who don't think that they'll ever need to have an abortion. And then you have, uh, then you have X amount of women who think that maybe they might need one day to have an abortion, but they're going to be able to go get one. Of course. Right. And, you know, the, the, the women, you know, basically like if you're, if you're a mistress of a Republican donor, you know that you're still going to be able to have an abortion, oh. right? You're going to be able to go to Canada. You're going to be able to go to Paris and get your procedure done. Cause remember, Miss Bristone, this is not just, this just hasn't just been approved in the United States for the no. past 23 years. This is a globally approved medicine. Western uh, democracies uh, across Europe have approved this medicine. Uh, um, um, uh, South African countries, South American countries have approved this medicine. This is a widely used uh, uh, medication that you can get pretty much everywhere except for Texas, right? So if again, if you're a woman who 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 is in Texas who who is worried about their your abortion rights, but you know that the the people who are who, that you are likely um, to have an unwanted pregnancy with are other rich Republican donors, then you know that you're gonna have a way to get your medication regardless of what they do to poor women. That's a big reason why there aren't people out in the streets. There aren't, there isn't massive protests um, over this. People like you, people like me, people who care, obviously we're up in arms about it, but a lot of people feel like this just will never affect them. And so they don't care. Right. And the other part is, as you said, Ellie, so many people get their quote news from Fox. Well, Fox doesn't do news. They do propaganda. They make shit up. That's what they do. Um, they are not a news channel, despite their name. So, and and even people who don't watch Fox are so disgusted by what's going on in the country that they don't want to hear any of it. People I've spoken to, I have a sister like this. I, they're all bad. They're all equally bad. I'm like, really? Tell me one good thing Ron DeSantis has done. You know, tell me they're all equally bad. Yeah, the Democrats in Florida kind of suck. But tell me one good thing DeSantis has done, and she can't. But she gets this, well, they're all horrible. Yeah, but there are degrees of horribleness. And at this point, I'll take the the less horrible over the fascist. Part of being an adult is being able to distinguish between two bad things, right? (laughs) Like, that's actually, like, the choice that you have as an adult most of the time is between two terrible options, right? Unfortunately, yes. Part of being an adult is being able to make that decision, right? That's right. 
like, oh, I can only afford, you know, either either I'm going to get the uh, the leak fixed in the basement bathroom or I'm going to get the leak fixed in the basement roof. Can't afford both. They both suck. They both need to be fixed. But you as an adult, you have to make the call. You have to pick one. Right. right, right. And when you know that the, the right answer is the roof, by the way, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I, I believe you can pick stuff up off the floor. You can't. Yeah, right? I, I got but, you. But like that's again, that's that's part of adulting, be able to distinguish between two equally bad options and two, sorry, two similarly bad options and figure out which option is actually worse. Like that's that's part of growing the hell up, right? Um, but a lot politically, a lot of people don't want to do it. They don't want to stay informed enough. Um, to do it. And it's just, it's the easy out, Nicole, as it well, is. right? It's the easy, it's like the too cool for school. Like, you know, I cannot be so easily labeled as a Democrat or Republican because <laughs> I am my own special snowflake in this world. And neither party speaks to my particular issues, right? Right. Neither party speaks to my particular issues as well, right? Me but either. Right. Some of them do it, some of them do more to help people than others. And here's the the argument that I always have for 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 so-called independence and i believe independent is just a nice word for republican in this in this world mm-hmm. but here here's what i always say to to so-called independent independence mm-hmm. democrats liberals people like me we have an argument for why our policy preferences will benefit everybody you might not agree with that argument. You might think that our policy preferences are wrong, but we can at least make a credible argument. If you do this, the rising tide will lift all boats. The Republicans have no argument. They're not even trying to say how their policies will benefit everybody. All they're trying to say is their policy preferences will benefit you, rich white person, you, rich white man. That's going to help you. Maybe occasionally they'll say, oh, and it's also going to help you, poor white person, even though that's never how it actually works. They might argue for a specific kind of, you know, handout or giveaway to poor white people, but they never have an argument for how it's going to benefit everybody, right? Right. You talk about the abortion debate. They never have an argument for how it's going to help rape victims. No. To, to, to ban abortions everywhere, right? They never have an argument for how it's going to help women who have complications in their pregnancy to ban abortion. They are an argument for them. In, they, no, they talk about, we know that the medical, uh, medical care in the U.S. is allegedly unsurpassed. Not our health care system, mind you, but the medical care you can receive here if you have enough money. Great. All that's well and good. How dare we, with all the knowledge we have, be a country where a woman can have to go into sepsis because there's a fetus that's that's disintegrating inside her body that is not viable, cannot live, yet she's forced to carry that dead fetus to term unless she unless she maybe gets sepsis and is this close to death, then maybe we'll treat her and maybe we can save her life. This is the United States of America? This is Texas. This is this is the world they want. This is also Florida. This right? is also Florida. This is this is the world that they want, and too many people just don't care, right? Too many people don't think it's going to happen to them, and so they don't care, and that's why these elections are close. Elections that shouldn't be close on issues that aren't close. Like, you know, a vast majority of the country believes that there should be some access to abortion care, to reproductive rights, yeah. right? Like, that's an overwhelmingly popular uh, uh, position, but... How many people are signal issue voters on that? How many people are going to take that to the to go to the mattresses over over that? How many people even know where the two parties stand? Nicole, I saw on the Twitters to the, and I try to stay off, I, not stay off is not the right word, but I'm trying to wean myself from <laughs> Elon Musk. You Twitter, and me both, right? yes. But 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 I saw on the Twitters today, you know, a focus group where they were asking people, and this one person in the focus group couldn't tell you the difference, couldn't tell you which party was for abortion or which party was against. Oh my god! And there are millions like that. That's and it's just like what? Thing. Like how? What do you do with that person? Like what do you do with the person who, at this point, cannot tell you which party is for abortion and which party is against? Another, a different person, in the same focus group was like, "Yeah, they they were really surprised that the anti-abortion ruling came out during the Biden administration." And you're like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> 
This is the Republican-controlled Supreme Court, and the and the person apparently said, like, well, you know, but Biden was there. I, it's just it, it it's I do I don't know what you do with those people, but those people are legion, right? There yep. are millions of those people, um, and and it's really hard to figure out how to get even these immensely popular ideas like reproductive rights, like family rights, right? Like, like, um, like LGBTQ rights, immensely popular ideas. They become close issues because most people don't know or don't care. Exactly. Okay, we could go down this road for the rest of the hour, but there's so much more to talk about, Ellie Mistal. So let's talk about the Supreme Court because that's that's sort of your, you know, that's your universe here. And... I, I, you, you posted something this morning. It was, it was, um, somebody, it was a repo, it was a retweet of someone else who said, without court expansion, Democrats are unlikely to retain control of the Supreme Court until 2065. Yep. So that was an article from that update from a, a man named Dan Epps, who's a law professor, who's basically the person who came up with Pete Buttigieg's uh, five 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 plan. If people remember uh, during the primary, he had the Pete Buttigieg had had a court expansion plan that was around the idea of getting five liberals and five conservatives and five independents, and there there are reasons why that plan doesn't work. Um, but the idea of, uh, but at least we're talk. At least Pete was willing to talk about court expansion. They always give him credit for that right so this is the same law professor and you know he ran some numbers i haven't you know i'm not i can't independently i'm not a quant right so i can't independently verify all the numbers mm-hmm. and all the projections and all the actuary tables but the general kind of idea is that if you don't expand the court and you just kind of let the natural toll of like the fragility of human life and death take its course over you know over the years and you look at the kind of vagaries in the elect in the electorate and the likelihood of democratic administrations versus republican administrations that assuming that everything kind of keeps going as it is which is a hell of an assumption that you wouldn't naturally have the democrats back in control of the supreme court until 2065 wow which is which is a which is a number which is a way of putting it right which is my child will be 66 at the time i will be dead a way of trying to get people to understand that if you do not take control of the Supreme Court, there is no such thing as a democratic agenda. There is no such thing as a liberal agenda. You name for me a thing that you care about, and I will tell you that if you were not taking over the Supreme Court until 2065, that thing doesn't happen, right? You don't get anything on reproductive rights until 2065 at the earliest. You don't get anything. uh, You get nothing but a rollback of LGBTQ rights. You get nothing on guns, nothing ever on guns with Republicans in control of the Supreme Court. And not for nothing, you get nothing on the environment, too. Yep. Right. So you're kind of consigning yourself to another 40 years of environmental catastrophe before you even have a Supreme Court in place that would be willing to uphold anything approaching a Green New Deal or a clean power plan or or, or refurbished and, and, and buttressed Clean Air Act. Nothing happens on these critical, in this case, planet-defining issues if you let Republicans have control of the Supreme Court for the next 40 years. Just nothing. And that's the takeaway that you that people should get from that more so than is it twenty sixty five or twenty fifty eight or twenty seventy two? Like right. it's not. It's not know, about that. Not about that. It's about the generational control of the Supreme Court that the Republicans have secured for themselves and secured in an illegitimate way. If yes. you know, I, I I'm constantly saying this, and I know it's probably the wrong way to look at things, but I have to anyway because the hypocrisy just kills me. If they they stole um, the seat that that um, uh, Gorsuch is in, from, thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, they should not. Donald Trump should not have been able to put three justices on the Supreme Court, no matter how you look at it. And, and it, it, it shouldn't be this way. And yet, the Democrats just seem to say, "Well, it happened, so let's look forward, not look back." 
And I think it's time we look back and say, wait, this was wrong. This was wrong. This was wrong. We are so out of whack here. We need to do something to fix it. But, you know, look, I've been uh, uh, Joe Biden, I think, has done a better job than I expected him to do. But is he still immovable? In, on the whole issue of of expanding the court, remember they changed the number of justices on us. They held it down to eight for the better part of a year until their guy could be in to fill the seat, which is not how it's supposed to work. Um, it's, right? It's not just Biden though. No. Like Biden was the the most immovable person on court expansion of the people who ran for president on the Democratic primary in, in twenty twenty. He's still not there. He's still not an advocate for court expansion. But it's not just Biden, right? It's Dick Durbin, the chair of the Judiciary Committee, yep. who was willing to do absolutely bugger all nothing um, to stop just rampant corruption at the Supreme Court. It's Joe Manchin. It's Kristen Cinema. It's all the usual suspects. It's Diane Feinstein. When oh, she can frost the glass, Diane Feinstein is an enemy of court reform and court expansion, right? It's all the usual suspects. It's Chris Coons. Um, who think that propriety is more important than human rights. And like, I, I don't know kind of working on an article about this right now, but like, I don't know how else to explain it right now. Like the, that there are, there are a cadre of establishment democratic leaders from Joe Biden all the way down to his boy, Chris Coons, right? Yep. Who think that decorum is more important than human rights. Yeah, decorum, I, I, right? That's what's getting uh, getting trans people and black people and people who side with the protesters um, getting kicked out of state legislatures. Decorum, yeah, give me decorum. a fucking break. Right? And, that, but, and, and that's that's where they're at, and 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 I don't see how to I don't see how to change that. It's not like they don't know. It's not like I know anything that these people don't know. They know what's at stake. They know what they're losing. They've decided that it's worth it to lose these rights for the institutional, uh, you know, respect of the Supreme Court. And it's really, it's hard to swallow. It's hard to explain. It's hard to justify, <laughs> but that's how they are. The institutional respect of the Supreme Court. Well, let's look at that for a moment, shall we, Ellie Mistal? <laughs> so we have one yeah, man. that segue? <laughs> that was awesome. That was just <laughs> perfect. So you've got this guy, Clarence Thomas. Now, I'm old enough to remember the hearings. I'm old enough to remember the pubic hair on the Coke can, uh, to remember Anita Hill. I had the honor of interviewing her last year when her book came out. What a brilliant, amazing woman who sat there and took that 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 behavior from those men, um, from Clarence Thomas to Joe Biden, and we've learned nothing from it. So now, not only did Clarence Thomas, I believe, lie to the court, not only was he sexually inappropriate with Anita Hill when she worked for him. But here we are now, what, 30, 40 years later, and we're finding out that he has no understand or, well, he understands ethics. He's a smart man. He doesn't care that every other judge in the justice system in the country has to live by a code of ethics. To him, it doesn't apply to me. That's the only takeaway I can take from this. Well, not every other judge, because he's got eight friends just like him. Exactly. And my question was going to be, why? So when the, the, the Supremes all said, well, we can govern ourselves. We don't need a code of ethics, including the three so-called liberals on the yeah. court. It, look, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I we, we just we, we we just went through a weekend where 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 our former colonial masters were crowning themselves, right? Yes. And and, yes, and that looked ridiculous to many of us, right? <laughs> yes, like you should, but but you should think of the Supreme Court in the similar way. Like they are crowning themselves in these old timey traditions that make no sense in the modern world. But that's where they are. They are they are robeless emperors, perhaps, but they all wearing gold crowns. And they all and what's the thing that ties them together? They all think that they are somehow better than us. Yeah, but and thus somehow not required to be to submit themselves to independent rule of law. That's but, how they think. That's how all nine of them think. Katanji Brown Jackson. That's she signed the letter. And so here's Aww. here's where I'm going to say where here's where I'm going to try to defend. The three liberals okay. a little bit. Please. All right. 
it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> here because I, I can't. But please, right? yeah. There are, I imagine, edge cases, right? Clarence Thomas is not an edge case. No. It's pretty obvious. You can't take, uh, uh, you can't have somebody buy your mama's house and not disclose it, right? No. That, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an obvious case, right? Neil Gorsuch, I don't think is an edge case, right? You can't sell your property to um, to a law firm, <laughs> essentially nine days after you get confirmed, and not disclose who bought your property, right? That's yep. not an edge case. Nope. But I imagine that there are, and I would just throw for just just for people who remember history, I would throw whoever paid off Brett Kavanaugh's debts. Yes. We and still we don't still know. know. <laughs> we still don't we, know. We just throw that out there as well as not an edge case, right? But there are edge cases. There's there's book deals, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think Soda Sayamoyor yes. um, got like a $3 million book deal. Neil Gorsuch got the exact same $3 million book deal. Amy Coney Barrett, I think it was like a $6 million book. Like, you know, is a, is a book deal a sign of corruption or is it a thing that they are allowed to do? If you go out to dinner, with, you know, if you think about the awful Nina Totenberg book of her having lunch in Ruth Bader Ginsburg as she, you know, as she's coming and not telling anybody about it. Um, is that, was that unethical, right? These are closer cases, right? And I think the liberals are worried about the closer cases, the edge cases and having the independent authority to investigate them for those edge cases be Congress. Because as we all know, Congress right now controlled by Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Jim Jordan, right? Yeah. And so I can imagine, so, uh, you know, walking into, uh, I had Elena Kagan for law school. So uh, I can imagine walking into her office and me saying, you know, Professor Kagan, I think that Congress should be able to investigate the Supreme Court for ethics violations. And her saying, boy, are you stupid? <laughs> are you crazy? You want Jim Jordan to have the authority to investigate the Supreme Court of the United States for ethics violations every time the court makes a decision he doesn't like. You really want to live in that world, sir? I can, I, you know, I, I can imagine her saying that to me. And I can imagine that that is partially why the liberals signed on to this letter. Because when you talk about, it's all well and good to talk about ethics reform until it, the, what, what gets naughty is when you talk about who's in charge of enforcing the ethics rules. And right. if it's not the Supreme Court, then it, by all by all you know uh, tradition, would fall to Congress, and Congress seems like the worst possible option. Except they're not. Except that that literally any option other than the Supreme Court policing itself is it's a better, better option, yep. and we know that because the Supreme Court has completely freaking failed to police itself. So yes, I would actually say screw it, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan for two years, and then maybe next time it's Adam Schiff, and then maybe next time it's Hakeem Jeffries, and then maybe you have to do two more years of Marjorie Taylor Greene, but like that's actually better preferable than the to this. Emperors yes. appointed for life living beyond the law for the rest of their natural lives. Like that's actually, I would actually take Jim Jordan over that. But I mean, Think about that sentence, right? That's a hard sentence to say. Yeah, so well, I can imagine. I, I, I would have a hard term, hard time spinning those words out. The, 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 the options are not great, but for them to contend is to, to say, well, we'll got, we'll take care of it ourselves. We're good. Bullshit. Sorry, it goes. Oh, that's the wrong one. I thought it was my bullshit button, but it, you know, they, they can't. They can't be that naive they're not these are brilliant people if they've made it to the supreme court we agree that they've got some you know brain Brent power a dumbass but the other eight <laughs> of them right. are, are, well, are he very likes smart beer. but <laughs> i i i'm i'm just astounded so so all this is going on and the republic they have the hearing a couple of weeks ago and every single republican on that committee bent themselves into pretzels to say oh they're not doing anything wrong when they themselves are supposed to live by a code of ethics now they all do insider trading so i guess they figure you know what look we're getting away with this they can get away with that it's okay we're we're all making out you know screw the little people we got it it's and and people wonder why we get cynical republicans 
Congress people who were bought by donors are defending the donors who have bought Republican Supreme Court justices. Thank you. That's that's it. That's what that hearing was. That's <laughs> right? it. That's it's it. like if you ever, you know, you, you ever watch a, like a basketball team like in the offseason and it turns out that two of the players who want to play for the same team have the same <laughs> agent like that. that that's, <laughs> that's what that was. They, they all got the same agent. Right. They all got they're all taking money from the same pot. And so mm-hmm. obviously they're going to be like, there's nothing wrong from taking money from this pot. It's free money. If you're a Republican who hates women and gay people, it's just sitting there. What's wrong with taking some? Like, of course, that's going to be their argument. Again, this is why, like having Congress be in charge of, of investigating ethical violations is not, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect solution. It's not an elegant way uh, of dealing with it. It's just the best way we have. It's just the way that we have because the Supreme court itself is incapable of doing it. And you should, and just best practices, you should always have an independent organization investigating ethical violations there is no organization i believe that can effectively police itself the police can't do it nope nobody cannot police always have to have somebody outside nobody's going to police themselves and that's you know look and that's the importance in this case and we're talking about the court of the fourth estate. The media is so important because although we had heard about Clarence Thomas and his relationship with Harlan Crow before, my friend Lisa Graves, who's over at uh, True North Research, testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee and invoked the name and, and said, look, this is going on. But ProPublica did this huge investigation and then it became front page news. Thank you. And so what do the Republicans do? They go on a limb and vilify the press even further. You know, look, I'm the first to to criticize individual reporters when I think they're not doing their jobs correctly. But to to um, indict the entire media as the enemy of the people is fascism. (laughs) The the funny thing to me is that, you know, that Republicans have millions of dollars and millions of oppo research organizations digging through every receipt ever from Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, or Ketanji Brown-Jackson. The only thing they found is an already publicly released book deal that is, again, just the same that Neil Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett got. That's all they found. Trust me, if Revlon had sent Sonia Sotomayor a a thing of nail polish, they would know. She didn't disclose it. Republican white wing media would have would have brought that to our attention. That's not we don't know about that because they didn't happen because they didn't find it. Right. Because if they because if it was there, they would have found it already. Right. Um, So that's there. 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 It's just sour grapes that their guys are kind of obviously on the take. Right. And the other guys are, are, are not right. And it's, but people need to understand it's not just the out. It's not just the direct bribes. It's not just the direct Harlan Crow, you know, here's some tuition for your secret son bribes. Right. Which is not hyperbole. Which is no, amazing. it is not. Uh, raising him <laughs> as their son. And yet, oh no, he's helping endangered youth get educated. One right. kid who's being raised as a son by a Supreme Court justice who makes a quarter million dollars a year. Oh, but you got to pay $6,000 a month for that kid to get educated. All the hundreds of thousands of others who are not getting an education, fuck them. But right. this one kid, endangered youth, well, uh, $6,000 a month. Yeah, that's right. These, these people won't support school lunches. <laughs> right. Right. They won't support school lunches for hungry kids. But no, Harlan Crow can pay uh, Clarence Thomas's secret sons to it in any event. In any event. It's not just those kind of direct, obvious scandal bribery situations. Right. It's also the tons of money these people funnel through their spouses. Right. And that's another kind of Clarence Thomas story with all the money that goes to Jenny Thomas with literally Leonard Leo saying, like, don't say who it came from. Uh, don't know, mention Ginny. Like, don't mention Ginny. But now we find it's John John Roberts' wife as well. And Jane Sullivan, John Roberts' wife, is the same same situation. Making $10 million as a legal headhunter. Excuse me, what? Yeah. Excuse me, how? I know legal headhunters, and they don't pull in $10.3 million a year. Of course, I don't know legal headhunters who are married to Supreme Court justices. Or the chief justice, you know, just to throw that in there. 
it, you know, the, the again, the hypocrisy is just stunning. Another perfect example is hearing the Trump spawn talk about Hunter Biden using his father's name to get ahead in the business world. Yeah. <laughs> they know no shame. They know no shame. It's like, are you not seeing what I'm seeing here? It no. It's two different worlds. But you know, hypocrisy doesn't matter to their voters. The the Republican hypocrisy doesn't matter to Republican voters, so it doesn't. It's all it's all baked into the cake, right? Like the the Republican voters have decided that the hypocrisy is worth it. For again, and so go back to what we were talking about earlier. What's the benefit here? They're willing to put up with the hypocrisy of the Trump kids and the hypocrisy of Republicans in Congress. Why? Because Republicans do horrible things to women. Yes. Because Republicans are bigots. Because Republicans do horrible things to LGBTQ people, and that's what they're voting for. Yep. That's what they actually want to happen. These people make it happen, and they're willing to put up with everything else. As long as they keep putting the stick to women and minorities and, and LGBTQ people. That's, that's actually the, that's the pro quo. Right? <laughs> that is. That's Why would you quo. deal with this idiot, hypo- hypocritical swamp creature? Well, he kicks women in the shins. Oh, well. Okay. okay. Or better yet, he grabs them by the pussy. And he can because he's a star. So this week, or this past couple of weeks, Donald Trump one of his cases goes to trial. Now, he's not participating because, you know, he doesn't have to. But thankfully, there was a deposition on videotape that some of that was released this week. And to hear him say it, to see the smugness on that orange face, uh, declare that oh, I'm a star. Um, I try not to play his voice, but this, you just got to see and it. And you say it again, this has become very famous in this video. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. Historically, that's true with stars. You can grab women by the pussy? (laughs) Well, that's what it's. If you look over the last million years. Million years. Over the last million years. Largely true. Uh huh. Unfortunately or fortunately. Or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, you have to laugh because if you don't laugh, you cry. What the fuck? Well, if you don't are- laugh, you get stabby is <laughs> the thing, right? Like the, 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 or, the or fortunately is, or the, fortunately. is the, right? It's the... It's the the admitting I'm a star. And yes, for millions of years, this has gone on. Right. Millions of years, but sure. Uh, And, but again, it's the favorably or unfavorably. Uh, um, Fortunately or unfortunately, it's the idea. It's he likes, he not only does he think he's entitled to do it. He thinks it's good. Right. He's entitled to do it. And And like, you can't, like, I don't know what to say to that other than people probably shouldn't vote for sexual predators. Yes. They do, but they probably shouldn't. Right. Right. This that, is- that, that should be the deal breaker, right? Like, if you, if you have if, – why isn't that the line? I, it should be, and I'm hoping in close. I, I don't know if they closed yet or not. We, we don't. It's not they did. televised. Uh, the they jury's going to come back tomorrow for for deliberations uh, in, in the case. And look, it's not a criminal case. It's a defamation right. suit. It's a if he loses, it'll be you know a monetary damages. But I, I do think that you know a declaration from a jury that you know Trump is a rapist should matter to somebody. Trump is a rapist. And still, he is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination. And and people, you know, the, the, the Teflon Don thing. So, Ellie Mistal, there are criminal cases lurking out there. The, um, the, the Georgia case and the documents case seem to me, to my layman's mind, to be the most serious that should bring um, criminal charges. Uh, but I had a discussion last week with a woman who is a she's a great chronicler of everything that's going on. She knows her shit, but she is convinced that we do have justice in this country and that, um, um, you know, that 
I, I don't know what she believes. We, we sort of got into it a little bit. Um, I believe that he will never serve a day in jail. Do you think he ever will? Not before the next election. None of this happens before the next election, right? Because of delays. Because I go back to Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland's kind of slow walking this entire thing. Um, Obviously, I understand why Fannie Willis is being very meticulous in her um, approach. She almost doesn't have a choice other than to be very meticulous. But that has also taken way too long. Um, and Jack Smith is, you know, because he got in the game late, is taking way too long. So let's say, let's say there are charges by the time, the, by the end of the week. Let's be super optimistic. They're okay. not going to be. I mean, no, they're not. Most already said that it's not going to be that soon. Let's say Jack Smith surprises everybody, charges them by Friday. How long do you think you, it takes to go from charges to an actual trial of a former freaking president? Years. Years. You can't if do you that in under there. a year. Right. Right, you're not going to do that in under 16 months, and so now you're kind of pushing up against the the Republican National Convention, and you're 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 putting yourself in a situation where where a trial couldn't possibly happen before Trump is is uh, anointed as the Republican nominee for president, and you know June, July, August of next year. At that point, I don't see how you bring Trump to trial how you bring the Republican nominee to trial in the three, four months before the general election. I don't see how you do it. I don't see how you, how you impanel a jury. Right? Yeah. I don't see how you find, a, find an impartial, unbiased jury. Like, can you only have non-registered voters on your jury? Is that right. literally what, what you're talking about? Like, th- there's just no, there's no reasonable way to do it. And certainly, there's no reasonable way I mean, there's a technical way. There's no reasonable way which you're going to jail, that you're going to jail the Republican nominee for president six weeks before the election. That's right. just, that's not going to happen, right? Right. So any kind of, tri- even if they bring charges tomorrow, any kind of trial is almost certainly going to be delayed until after the election, which means that. If you want Trump to be held accountable, you're going to have to beat him at the ballot box again before there's even a chance for that to happen. Oh. And that's my that's my problem. So this question of like, will he ever serve time in jail? I don't know, he, because so many other things have to happen. He has to be charged. He has to now lose a second presidential election. Then prosecutors have to not lose their steam. Then he has to go to trial. Then a jury has to convict a defeated twice now person. Right. And then here's the thing that and whenever i say this it, it really pisses people off but it's true trump would be a first time offender oh god <laughs> right <laughs> people forget because of prosecutors failures in the past trump doesn't have a criminal record yeah. So now you're talking about, let's see if he's even tried and convicted after the election. You're talking about jailing a first-time 77-year-old offender on a documents case. That's just oh. unlikely to happen. Right. It's just, How about I'm not trying saying that it to can't happen. I'm to- not saying that it shouldn't happen. I'm saying that it's very unlikely that that ever happens. How about trying to coerce a, a secretary of state to overturn that state's election and to find votes out of thin air? I mean, that's- they're going to put the Proud Boys in jail for conspiracy, but they're not going to charge the person who ordered them to do it with conspiracy. That's, that's what, right. That's the world we're about to live in. That's just insane. And then the other part of it, it just just imagine if he did go to jail, does the Secret Service go with him? Yes. Yes, they do shifts. What should happen after that is like I don't I don't worry about the, those kinds of you know people. I'm not worried about the vagaries of <laughs> right. jailing a criminal, even a really famous one. You do what you have to do to put him in jail. I'm worried about prosecutors basically lacking the courage to do it. Right. Right. No, and and I, I you know, and we see why. I mean, look at um, um, uh, Alvin Bragg in New York. Oh my God, he's getting death threats, and I, I, I mean, I can imagine because I know what they do to librarians who dare to yeah. say no. This book is fine for your kid to read. I, I, this is a very scary 
world we're living in right now. And it's interesting that now, you know, between the gun violence and the, you know, the thing the other, the thing yesterday, and okay, let's go back to Texas for a few minutes here, Ellie Mistal. So we had another mass shooting. It's never a shock anymore. It's, it's just sickness America. inducing. It's America. Welcome to it. 10 years ago, I wrote a piece urging other governments to issue travel alerts to their citizens and tell them not to come to the United States because it's not safe, thinking that the only thing that will motivate our Congress to do anything would be to hit them in the pocketbook, kill tourism to the nation. It will hurt us financially enough that maybe they'll do something. Now, 10 years later, guess what? Other countries are issuing travel alerts, telling their people not to come here. But yet, so this guy takes a gun to a... um, a, a, a mall, mall in Texas, and then yesterday somebody runs into a bus stop outside a migrant center. He was charged with manslaughter because they don't know yet. They think he might have just lost control of his car. I'm sorry. You know, why do they give some people the benefit of the doubt while other people are shot in the back? I'm, I live in New York, Nicole. I'm still waiting for them to arrest the man who choked the guy the on the subway. Wife out of a man on the subway, on video, in broad daylight, and they still haven't arrested him. They know where he is. Yep. If the black man done that and got away with it, there'd be a manhunt oh, yes. all across the city. Find the subway strangler. That's right. But this man still hasn't been arrested. So, I mean, why is that? I mean, it's I think it's 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 Republicans and it's racism, right? Like they don't they don't value the lives that are lost as much as they value their guns. And as much as they value their power, that's it's as simple and it's as simple and as sad as that. And you can't. It's very difficult to have a society with people who don't value your life. But that's that's the society that we live in. Uh, Ellie Mistal, his book that is st- you are nominated for for a big award or something. Yes, ABA Silver Gavel, and you know I'll break uh, the the paperback drops tomorrow. Oh wow! Oh, perfect timing. The paperback is out tomorrow. Allow me to retort a black guy's guide to the Constitution. Great book. We had a wonderful discussion about it when the when the hardcover came out, and you should definitely read it. And I'm thinking a follow up. A good follow up might be a black guy's guide to the Supreme Court. <laughs> I got something else in the works. I can't talk about oh, yeah. it now, but I do have something else in the works. Oh, I can't wait. Um, Ellie Mastala, it is always such a treat to talk with you. I, You know what? I came in today. I was in a shitty mood. I had a lousy weekend. It was travel. I didn't get home till 2 o'clock in the morning last night. It was just not fun. And I, I, my studio was not working right. But talking to you, this is this is great. I so appreciate you, your time and your openness and your ability to spar with me. And I mean, we agree on just about everything, but um, have a spirited discussion and, and let the fucks fly and um, speaking truth to power. It's what it's about. And you do it better than most. So thank, uh, you. thank you so much, Nicole. I'm sorry it's been so long. I'm glad to, that we were able to reconnect. You and me both. And, and I'll be in touch again maybe next quarter. <laughs> Maybe next quarter. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Ellie Mastal. Find him still on the Twitters. You doing anything else? You doing Mastodon or anything? Uh, I'm on a spout- Spoutable for now, and I, I might be trying to get a Blue Sky code at some point. Oh, Blue Sky. That sounds interesting. Just okay. And of course, read Ellie right. at the Nation. Thanks, Ellie Mastal. You take Bye-bye. care. Bye bye. Um, he really is the best. Uh, he was ready to go. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We've got like four minutes left. All right. I'm going to play you out with something. Remember Bill O'Reilly? Do it live! We'll do it live! Play you out. What does that mean? Okay, so um, yeah, Lauren says, I was hoping Jazz Fest would have been fun. It poured on Saturday. That was the day we were going. Just one day, and it... (laughs) I'll tell you about it someday. The, the, Judith was great. We got there in time to see her set. She was wonderful. And then yesterday, all right, I'll tell you now. We were supposed to get together for this interview at 2 o'clock. Well, we're out to lunch. We had the whole day planned, you know, and I get a call at, I don't know, must have been around noon, and um, <laughs> uh, they had to cancel. Like, what? We I don't know what it is yet. Something came up, but they have to cancel, and I'm just, just so sorry. I'm like... Are you kidding me? And so we decided we figured out how to kill time to before we had to get to the airport. And then the phone rings again. It's like, can we do it at four? So apparently I get these ocular migraines. They're, they get weird. It's a visual thing. And it affects your vision for a few minutes and then it goes away. Well, apparently Harry, Judith's husband, 
also had one in mid-show. You know, he does a show called Le Show. He's been doing it for like 30 years. I'm talking Harry Shearer is who I'm talking about from Spinal Tap and The Simpsons. Harry Shearer is Judith Owen's husband. And apparently in mid-show, he got an ocular migraine, which you learn to sort of deal with. And then he couldn't see and he couldn't speak. So they went to the emergency room and that's, they were in the emergency room and finally it cleared up and he's fine. And so they came back and we did the interview. Um, and, uh, but this is how the weekend went. So just so you know, this is how the weekend went. It was like, the, it was a roller coaster. It was rain and, and it rained sideways. It was, look, I'm used to it because we live in Florida, but there were people at breakfast at the table next to us going, I've never seen anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it was just a weird, weird, weird weekend. But I'm, I'm glad I'm home. I'm glad I'm home with my Jackson Brown dog and um, in our house for now. Um, but, it, it, you know, yeah, yeah. That's one of the good things was we went to the World War II Museum, which was very cool. I didn't want to go. Um, but we went. And that was a nice. We didn't have enough time there because you need like two days. Um, yeah, so that's, that's about that. All right. Um, we are done and I'm just waiting. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking I'm waiting till progressive voices is done, but they're not even carrying the show today because I couldn't connect to the network. See, I'm having one of those days. (laughs) Um, but I'm going to leave you with a song, um, from the Marsh family that came out yesterday. I saw it, or maybe it was Saturday because you know, they're from the UK And there was a coronation. And I was wondering if they were going to do anything around the coronation. And, you know, you know how much I love this family. And sure enough, they did the perfect, the perfect song for the coronation in that they didn't deal with the coronation at all. At all. In fact, let me read to you what it says on their YouTube page before I play the song. It says, we were going to do a song about the coronation of King Charles III today, which is obviously an important waypoint in the nation's history and the cause of much celebration. There was much impressive parading, lots of hearty singing, some fancy outfits, some nice references to modernity, and a whole load of important tradition on display. But... We wanted to use a bit of the extra time we've been given to sing about something more important and more urgent and more relevant to the future. So we picked a topic that has always been close to the new king's heart, the environment, and the need to stop destroying it. So there is the intro to the latest from the Marsh family. Enjoy. You'll know the song. Well, not their version of it, but you you will in a moment. A disaster waits, planets on its knees, with every sense it the rising of the seas, Everywhere, reckless policies that lead us to despair. Send an SOS to the world. I'll send an SOS to the world. I hope that someone gets mad.
send an SOS to the world. Bye. 